0: Hello, everyone. This is Mark Vina with more insights and strategy. Today is Friday, October 18th, 2019. Uh, it's an absolute miracle that I'm doing this podcast today because for those of you who are Yankee fans in the audience, and I count myself as a big one, um, a Game uh, last night's playoff game against the Astros was a disaster. Four errors in the playoff game. Not a good, not a good uh, sign for the Yankees prospects this year. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is today's uh, podcast. I'm featuring a good friend of mine who was a good friend until I found out he was an Astros fan. <laughs> now I, I, uh, you've been Henry. I've known you've been an Astros fan for some time. Let me introduce uh, Henry Wong. He's a partner at the Cunningham Collective, which is a um, one of the uh, uh, best um, marketing branding agencies. They do a lot more stuff than just than branding, but they're one of the uh, best uh, agencies uh, in Northern California, and uh, I'm pleased to have him on the podcast. Henry, good morning.
1: Good morning. It's uh, great to be here, and thank you for inviting me to onto your podcast, even after last night's uh, disaster of a loss or a wonderful win on my per- from my perspective.
0: You had to use the word disaster. I mean, you know, when we talked before the podcast recording again, you never used the word disaster. I resent that. And I'm ending the podcast right now.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, uh, as as we talked about, I mean, uh, the four errors, I think everything just fell apart. But, you know, you know, know, the thing about baseball is there's always another day. It's not about time. It's about making those outs and getting those hits. So. Yeah, it's going to be a battle. I mean, the next one in Yankee Stadium is going to be a big battle. So uh, uh, buckle
0: up. Yeah, that's what we're both
1: going to be watching today.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Boone is pitching in the eighth inning tonight. So uh, that will probably happen. But Henry, you know, in full disclosure, you and I worked uh, pretty closely together at uh, Sling Media when I was running the marketing uh, function at Sling Sling Media, not to be confused with Sling TV, but Sling Media, oh. the, the makers of the original Sling Box. And uh, you know, you, you know, uh, you and I have been good friends now for probably. a five, six, seven years, which has been great. And uh, I want to talk a bit about your background because what what I've done on these podcasts is, you know, very often I like to go like a a behind-the-scenes type of approach where, you know, I talk to people who have been um, very influential in some of the career activity that I've uh, done over the last – Twenty years or so, and the Cunningham Collective is a, is a um, Andy Cunningham who we'll talk about in a second. You know, obviously she's got a tremendous reputation in the technology marketing area. But let's talk a little bit about your background, and then let's get into um, a bit about Andy and uh, you know what you know her philosophy uh, for a uh, marketing agency, and then we can talk about some of the brands and companies you've worked with.
1: All right, that's great. Well, you know, I was born in a cotton field. Yeah. No, just- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh, boy. You know, oh, it's going one of those podcasts. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, I, I actually have – I always tell people, especially when I'm introducing myself to potential clients, is that uh, I'm not your traditional brand or messaging or communications kind of guy. I actually, actually have a, a pretty big product background. And, and actually, and I always tell people I'm an engineer by degree, but not necessarily by practice. I have mm-hmm. I have a, I have a, an electrical engineering degree from Rice and then a master's from USC. But uh, what I did was I hopped on to the consulting side pretty quickly after that, uh, doing a lot of, and this should date me, doing uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, client-server implementations. We were supposedly going to turn off all these mainframes yes. and... and Implement all these client server systems and the firm that I was with bsg alliance IT Was a big power builder shop so there that'll date me again And so I did that for a few years except because of my degree. I spent a lot of time on the back end stuff working very closely on the database uh, Working you know putting together some demons on Unix to make things happen that the magic happened behind the scenes that the that power Builder couldn't do Um, but then um, I decided, you know, I was doing all these systems, but I was wondering who was making the decisions to make all these systems. And so, mm-hmm. and so, what I did was I ended up going to business school at Berkeley, and uh, with the intent of going up the food chain from ah uh, from just doing systems implementation uh, into management consulting, which I did for a couple of years after business school. Uh, I, I was a, I, I spent some time at AT Kearney. I really I really loved the work and. For those people out there who know the management consulting space, A.T. Kearney has historically been known as an operations uh, sourcing type of company. And uh, for some reason, the two years I was there, I never did any operations, supply chain, or, or procurement, or sourcing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, I was here with the uh, the nascent uh Uh, I guess West Coast or high-tech practice and I'm still in contact with those guys over there and and it was a great time Uh, But you know uh, one of the things that was happening at the same time I was in consulting was also the dot-com boom and -hmm. so uh, I, I Like all the other people in professional services or investment banking all decided to jump in and I was fortunate enough already to be in San Francisco so it was very easy for me to hop in and jump into a startup in, uh, and doing some business development. So I was at Moai Technologies for uh, a couple of years uh, doing, oh God, here's another thing that will date me, you know, B2B Marketplace Technology. Mm. So <laughs> reverse auction technology uh, for marketplaces. And it, it was it was a crazy time as I... As I like to say, sometimes I spent a lot of VC money in New York uh, meeting with people, <laughs> but uh, but it was it was it was a, it was time to it was it was an interesting time, uh, and and I thought you know there was no way this craziness would happen again, uh, and so and so w- when the time came and the and the company was enter- entering some hard times, the CEO actually uh, Matt Miller, who's I, I forgot which VC firm he's in, gave me some. Really good advice, and he said, "If I really want to know how a high-tech company works, I should go into product management." Mm-hmm. And so that that was that was an interesting thought, and it it played well with the degree that I had in engineering, um, and because I you know so I'd be able to talk to engineers at their level and so forth. So I was fortunate enough to uh, join the supply chain uh, team at PeopleSoft. So I avoided supply chain and procurement at, uh, in, at AT Kearney and ended up supplying software, being a product manager for software and supply chain and, and uh, procurement at at PeopleSoft. And I did that for three and a half years. And it, it, was, it was a good experience in really understanding all the challenges of innovation uh, because the e-procurement product at the time when I right before I started, there was a decision made to move off of the Commerce One platform and go into Native People Tools, and so we were building up a brand new application uh, from scratch on People Tools that mimicked the Commerce One capabilities. Uh, but it was interesting to have to fight and claw uh, our way through trying to add new functionality when you're in this. Uh, in this process that was built around very mature tools, very mm. mature applications that, you know, 12 to 18 months uh, for a life cycle, for a product life cycle or a release life cycle. And so we were we were fighting against, you know, companies like Ariba and still Commerce One that were able to release capabilities uh, at a quicker pace than we were. So there are things, some hacks to the process that we did, and we can go into this later if you're interested in it. Uh, <laughs> It trying to trying to get these capabilities out. And so that was that was interesting. Uh, it was a great experience there, too. But then the big Bob Bob happened. Uh, Oracle decided that it wanted to do a hostile takeover of peoplesoft. and and I decided at that time, um, that pro- perhaps, given its reputation, you know, whether it's deserved or not, because I know a lot of wonderful people that work at Oracle. I wasn't sure it was the right environment for me. Mm-hmm. So I left and did some product, product management roles at various startups uh, like, uh, like uh, Provade and Elance. Mm-hmm. But then, um, but then uh, had the chance to join a, a former coworker of mine from PeopleSoft to become head of marketing. So this was at, at his startup. Mm. Uh, and that was actually my first taste in getting into the marketing side, not just the product side. So, right. uh, so that was a, that was a great, a great, uh, sort of introduction. Although, you know, some of the lessons learned inform how I do my consulting today. Right. I and made, a, okay. lot of, you know, I made okay. a lot of mistakes.
0: Yeah, and we'll definitely talk about that because I know you've made a lot of mistakes, so I want, I don't want, to, focus, I want, I want to focus on the mistakes, and I, and I do want to say to, the, to the, my audience here that uh, Henry is not 150 years old, and I'm not getting paid $5 for every time he, rec- he references something that's a dated reference, so just want to be clear. To okay. About so I'll that speed. One. I'll speed up here. So no, <laughs> no, no. No, this is, no, this, is <laughs> this is all good information because your background, obviously, you know, g- you know, generally people's backgrounds are the foundation of why they end up where they are in their current part of their career and you know, what, you know, just uh, to, to kind of just make sure that we, we get to this is that, you know, you guys, you and, and Andy and Andy specifically has done some amazing work at the Cunningham collect, uh, Collective. And let's talk a little bit about, you know, Andy and her reputation, because she has almost yes. a, uh, she almost has like a historic reputation. I mean, I don't want to be that melodramatic, but, uh <laughs> yeah, you know, but 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 it's but legendary. No, but there are certain names in Silicon Valley that, you know, they may not be household names to people, you know, across America, but mm-hmm. in the Valley, you know, you invoke certain names and, oh, wow, you know, this person was instrumental in doing A, B, and C. And during Apple's formative days, I mean, Andy was very much involved um, in a lot of the work um, that a lot of the great things that happened at Apple. So let's talk a little bit about that for a moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, yes, Andy's been around for a while. I don't voice... Especially if she's going to be listening to this, how long she's been in Silicon Valley, but she has worked <laughs> on a number of important, uh, monumental things that have shifted how the valley works. And mm-hmm. so, she when she first uh, uh, came over to Silicon Valley from Chicago, she joined Regis McKenna. And so, if you, if you know, if you wow, yeah, Regis know McKenna, that, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, there, you know, Regis is famous for his marketing. For being a marketing guru, uh, helping companies like Intel and Apple in the early days, and so right. the f- the first thing that uh, Regis did for Andy was to put her on the Apple account, mm-hmm. and so her first job was to launch the Macintosh, and so she worked very closely with the Macintosh team, especially with Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. in getting that out the door right and and so she and so she has a lot of stories about working with um with steve jobs and if you have an opportunity to listen to her speak about her experience i highly recommend it and so when steve left apple the first time in 85 she left regis mckenna to form her own uh tech pr agency called Cunningham Communication. Notice Mm -hmm. no S. It's she's always been about communication, not necessarily communications. (laughs) Uh, And and so she worked with uh, with him uh, to help launch Pixar when he acquired it from Lucasfilm, and also the launch of Next. And so she's worked with a number of interesting and large clients in Silicon Valley, you know, doing tech PR. You know, was seen as one of the, if not the, tech PR boutique. In Silicon Valley during the uh, 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. and she, and then she uh, she was ready for a change and ended up selling Cunningham Communication in uh, in 2000, and then uh, went off and, and did some had her uh, spun off her own brand uh, branding agency called CXO Communication, mm-hmm. and after that, uh, where I met her, where our lives intersected, is when she decided that she wanted to try out this whole CMO thing after being on the agency side mm-hmm. for a long time. And, uh, and this was post my time at Ariba. And so she she decided that she wanted to be a CMO of a fast-growing company. And, I, and she brought me on board as uh, the head of product marketing. And during that time, I ended up being able to do different parts of marketing. So I started off doing uh, marketing at provate at a startup and then here was a chance to do other aspects of, of marketing the product marketing aspects the uh, customer success demand generation and so forth mm-hmm. so so it, it was a taste of the different types and you know one of the things that people who are not in marketing don't realize is that marketing there are a lot of functions in marketing mm-hmm. and, and it sometimes helps to understand that Yeah. You know, yeah it's almost like engineering. there are different kinds of engineers yes
0: that's exactly right yeah I, know, fact, I i I agree with that because a lot of people think marketing you know some people think marketing oh that's advertising or that's putting a digital ad together or that's putting in the old days putting a billboard ad together, but there's product marketing, there's product management and uh, and and there's individual disciplines within that um within that category
1: yeah absolutely and and so people. And so I have to sometimes explain this. Is that and 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 we see this all the time in Silicon Valley. I don't know what the most recent statistics are. Is that, is that CMOs have uh, we've seen uh, have a lifespan of about eighteen months in Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. and not much more in other in other uh, disciplines. And I think Mm -hmm. part of the problem is is that uh, a lot of tech companies don't necessarily know who to hire as a CMO. Right. and the right type of person for that type of company in that stage, and so mm-hmm. oftentimes they 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 glom onto the branding side, which are they're great people. Uh, and I'm not. I always tell people, even though we do brand at Cunningham Collective, I'm not a creative guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But and they do stuff that I I just can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they oftentimes go towards something that they 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 think what marketing is, and oftentimes are CPG or big brands and things like that. And it may or may not be the right situation, especially for companies in a in a B2B situation, where they have a completely different go-to-market and sales motion. That uh, a brand, a branding-oriented person, or even a communications-oriented person may not be the right person. Right. Uh, but and the other side of it is also it's about the the uh, the chemistry because the the CMO uh, we always say CMO scales the CEO. Mm-hmm. Because it be, the the CEO makes the message, the CMO push, pushes it out, and so there needs to be tight alignment between the CEO and CMO. And there's a chemistry thing that that happens between those two. That that you know, it, it's not something that's easily discerned when during the interview process. Mm-hmm. But uh, no,
0: I, I would I would actually agree with you because what, you know my and it will go to what I really want to talk about and get your view is that you know my experience has been. And I, I suspect you'll, say, you'll probably reiterate this, is that, you know, the Valley is a funny place. I mean, most of the startups, not all of them, but a good percentage of them, many of the startups that are even world famous today and are big, big you know, companies that are, are, you know, multi-billion dollar companies, they started up with, they were founded by engineers. I mean, there, there was a product, there was a technology, um, you know, the, the, uh, per, the, that person generally had a very strong engineering background, and there is kind of a, and you'll appreciate this, Henry, there's kind of a, uh, a field of dreams Kind of viewpoint when it comes to marketing, meaning that oh, this is a great solution. The mar- the the uh, customers will flock to it. We don't need to do any marketing. Branding's not yeah. important. Differentiation's not important. Messaging's not important. I mean, they wouldn't say that, but it, but you feel it in the way they kind of execute their plans, and um, and it, and it still happens today. I'm not. This is not something that. it's not This is not a. Uh, a, an infliction or, or an affliction that hasn't, uh, has gone away. So it, it, I am sure you've encountered that with a lot of the clients that you've engaged with. And you know, again, you know, more, some of the more savvy um, uh, companies out there understand that. They understand they have a blind spot in certain areas, and they try to address it by bringing in talented folks like uh, the Cunningham Collective. So I absolutely believe that's a, that you've probably experienced many situations like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to think about how a lot of technology companies get founded. They're founded based on some unique insight that somebody had,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the question is always whether that unique insight actually applies to the to the market that they think that it applies to, or something mm-hmm. smaller, or something larger in certain cases. Right. And and so that unique insight that applies to that applies broadly. Which is is one of the reasons why you there's a lot of companies out there that don't do as well, uh, and and sometimes fail when they go out. But in the thing is, is that uh, in the situations where that unique insight may or may not uh, apply as as much you know you need to you need to really start putting your ear to the ground and actually listening to the marketplace and understanding why your company really matters and in fact that's what we that's what we spend all our time when we when we do our client work is we spend a lot of time trying to understand what the purpose of the company is what's the role and relevance of the company in in a way that the in a way that the, uh, that will resonate with this target market. And sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes it, 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 we even encounter situations where where everybody seems to be aligned, the, the executive team seems to be aligned around a certain concept, but the details are different. Like priorities are different. I want to go after this market, not that market. I want to put these features up front, but that's different than what sales needs. And so what we do is we spend a lot of time getting everybody on the same page when it comes to the direction of the company. I, you know, we, uh, we do positioning and brand strategy work, but I always, uh, I always tell people your brand and your marketing make a promise that your company has to deliver. And so what you say about the company is not a wrapper, it's integrated into how you deliver your products and services. Right. And so when we do our brand work, we actually open the hood and take a peek at your strat- strategic decisions, or lack thereof, and help, uh, help companies uh, and facilitate discussions around making important decisions. Because if your product strategy or your company strategy is messed up or not aligned and not executing, no amount of marketing would fi- will fix that problem. So we have to go in and investigate and see what's going on to just make sure that – what we recommend or what we collaborate with the executive team to come up with on the messaging and the brand side makes sense and can be executed by the company
0: Mm -hmm. now uh, let me now this is kind of a loaded question but have you ever and i know because i know the answer is yes (laughs) (laughs) what what do you do when you go into a company that brought you in for one specific reasons uh you know for one specific reason but after you spend some time with them understanding kind of uh, you know what they do well, what they don't do so well. And then you came back to them saying, Hey, let me correct you here. You may have thought your problem was X, but it's really Y, you know, what happens in those type of situations? Because I'm sure you've you've, you, I'm sure that's happened to you folks repeatedly, you know, and yeah. not all the time, but, and so, so let's talk a little bit about that. Can you give us an example without, you know, naming names, <laughs> so to speak? Well,
1: <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, yes, it has happened a number of times. And and what the it's it's interesting. What we try to do is not necessarily uh, we, we're very collaborative with our with our team, with uh, with our clients. So we rarely make a proclamation that doesn't have any support or is not been has not been discussed amongst the team because mm-hmm. in the end alignment is so important for marketing and branding efforts to succeed mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not a marketing it, it may be marketing led but the the problem is is that if you don't include the ceo you don't include the head of sales you don't have include product engineering or this especially the cfo who pays the bills uh you're not your your brand transformation or your brand launch is going to fail and so so oftentimes, what we what we do during our due diligence process is, you know, uh, is really investigate and validate a lot of a lot of assumptions or disprove assumptions that companies may have, and, and we may end up finding problem areas that that uh, during that due diligence process. But these come from. From talking to them and, and putting their voices together in mm-hmm. a, in packaging up in a way to present it, and 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 have a dis- have a fruitful discussion about it, and so there's this one situation where we were working with this uh, technology company, enterprise software, and uh, content management, and one one of the challenges they had was uh, they they did this, you know, went out. And did this incredible thought leadership platform, uh, uh, platform, and launched this new category of uh, of software that w- they were ahead of their skis to a certain extent, and also ahead mm-hmm. of their customers. Uh, their customers were still struggling with day-to-day situations implementing their uh, their existing software, and yet they were promising these things that there was no way that the customers actually could piece together the roadmap to get to that Nirvana. and mm-hmm. so. That, that instantly becomes less credible if there's no credible way for existing customers to get to that place or there's a there's a there's a reason why the company has a right to do something like that and in that process uh, of, of understanding that we also uh, worked uh, understood that their market was changing the investments were uh, in IT and these are not new uh, new trends but you everybody's seen where uh, where the CIO is less is investing less, and in the and the CMO is investing more. <laughs> are, which side? And you have more insight, right. <laughs> more insights. I'm sure have seen all that stuff. Yeah. And and so, but the but the buying behavior of a CMO for technology is different than the CIO. Mm-hmm. CIOs value you know, and technologists value flexibility, being able to configure things and do things quickly. Be able to play with the technology while the CMO is looking for something that gets their stuff done, mm-hmm. and they ne- and they prefer cloud solutions. And this company was not built to to be able to deliver that quickly. So they, what they did in the end is they they thought, oh, marketing has a bigger budget than or ha- is getting an increasing side of size of budget. So let's just reorient our marketing towards marketing the marketing department. But the the product and the go to market and how you deploy was not ready for marketing. Right. And so that that's the situation. Those are that's not an unusual situation to find because people people oftentimes think that you know you just need to point marketing in a different way and sales will come. Right. And without understanding that there's a bigger transformation that may need to happen. And so oftentimes when we work with companies in in situations such as this, we. We help them understand what the challenges are that are actually beyond marketing to actually make the marketing that they want to do work.
0: Right. Well, and, and I see a lot of this in, you know, the work that I've been doing for the last couple of years since I've left Sling and there are more insights in that. It's really interesting because when you get very close to a client and again, you know, like like you, what you were saying before, Henry. I mean, being transparent and being collaborative and working in a very collaborative fashion is so important. Frankly, when you're engaged, whether it's the marketing side, the consulting side, the analyst side, and you know what I have found is that you know what's the really good clients that you work with, when you get involved with them, you start to see all the the, the company politics. You, you know, you you try to you try to take a step back and you see some of the uh, the you know the the 3D chess. Uh, pieces going, moving all over the place in terms of whether the priorities within the, within the company, who's in favor, who's not in favor, and you know the, the, your responsibility is to be very transparent and honest, saying here's how we see things. And, uh, you know, the more mature companies will say, yeah, we understand there may be some dysfunction here, but it's great to get a third party to, to evaluate that and to elucidate on that and be able to respond and provide strategies and fixes to that. So, I, I you know, that what you're saying is absolutely something that <laughs> I, I see all the time, you know. Um, but, uh, it, it, but it's, you know, it's interesting work that you do. And I wish we had more time to discuss this, but we're, up, we're bumping up against 27, um, 27 minutes, which is pretty long for a podcast. And I wanted to make sure that we were able <laughs> to, to spend some t- uh, more time. And maybe we'll do another podcast in the not too distant future. But, um, but yeah, anything.
1: After the, after the Astros win the World Series.
0: No, oh, um, uh, you know, yeah, 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 you had to bring it up again and for, just for that I'm going to cut the podcast off right now. But no, but well, first and foremost, how do we find Cunningham Collective? How do we find you? Let's uh, maybe let's make sure you get your website out there. Okay, the
1: website is a long long URL. It is cunninghamcollective.com. Uh, on Twitter, very very, can,
0: very very complex, Henry. That's exactly. a good, good a branding. Short,
1: <laughs> a, short, a shortcut actually is is the is actually the name of Andy's book, which is Get to Aha. But it's get g e t the number two aha a h a dot com, and that gets to a to something about if, if you're interested in the kind of work and how we think about it. That's a that's a great book that Andy published a couple of years ago. Uh, on Twitter, we're at Get G-E-T-2 G E T T O A H A, and then for me, you can always find me on LinkedIn or on uh, on Twitter at H H W O N G.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, listen, Henry. Listen, thanks for your time. I appreciate you calling in uh, to the more insights and strategy audience. Uh, thanks for tuning in to uh, today's podcast. Please follow us on our usual social media suspect partners. That's Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And until next week, when the John, uh, the Yankees will come back against the Astros, that's my prediction. Let's we'll see if it's we'll see if it's right or not. <laughs> um, have a nice <laughs> have a nice weekend.